Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. As some of you probably do, take some time during the week and you turn on, you know, your favorite TV preacher or, you know, that church you used to go to or whatever the case may be. And, and I turned on the pastor we sat under in Tennessee and I was listening to a message from a couple weeks ago. And I think I got about three minutes into it and I had to pause it because it, uh, it was a message on Abraham and Isaac and how they were on the uh, mountain and Abraham was preparing to sacrifice Isaac. And he mentioned the altar and of course, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the tabernacle and the altars in the tabernacle. And so I paused it right there and I said, I wonder what that altar looked like. Because the text says that Abraham prepared the altar and then laid the wood in order. And so I was curious, what, wonder, wonder what this altar looked like. Because I, I know what it looked like in the temple. I know what it looked like in the tabernacle. What did it look like on this mountain? And so I paused it right there and I started to pull up my phone and look on the internet and what did this altar look like? And, and I'll just cut to the answer. It was probably just stacked up rocks is what it was. Nothing particularly outstanding or I didn't find anything that said it was particularly grand or there was a particular way it was prepared. But what I did find that in fact, Abraham didn't make one altar. He made four throughout his life. And this one was the fourth one. And so then, of course, my curiosity was piqued. It's like, what were the other altars for? And as I read into this and I tried to dig into, find out what all these were, it revealed to me this wonderful plan that God had for Abraham's life and how we all walk, not the same path, but we all walk a similar path. So that's what I want to talk about today is this faith walk that we're all on and, and the journey that it takes us on through life. And so uh, if, if you've been around a while, um, you know that salvation is just the start. Salvation is simply that first step that, that gets you in the game. That's putting the uniform on and, and putting you in, in order. Here I'm trying to use sports analogies. It's, you know, it's putting you in the batting order is what it's, what it's doing. And if you've ever played ball, even backyard ball, you know that ball is difficult to hit. But if you practice, right, you get better. So there is a process of growth and learning that takes place on this journey. And that salvation is just the start. And so the the text comes from, uh, if you want to go there with me, Genesis chapter 12 and 13. And I'll start in Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. And I'm reading out of the NLT. And it says, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family. And go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families of earth will be blessed through you. So there's a couple things there I want to just pull out of the text. One, he says to leave. He says to leave your native country. 
leave your relative, leave your father's family, and go to the land I'll show you. And so what I immediately saw in this is this is repentance. This is Abraham had a certain path in life that he was on. He was with his family in this land, and they were doing whatever they were doing. He was a, a, a probably more than a shepherd because that, that kind of implies sheep, but he was more of a rancher, I'll call him that, because it said he had lots of different animals at different times. And so I think that was his role that he was playing in his family. And they were, by all accounts, successful. But the Lord came to him and said, I want you to go a new way. And what I see in that is, is that moment when God finally gets our attention. Finally gets our attention and says, you know, I see where you've been going. And I know where that road leads. Come my way. Come on, I'll, I'll show you this way. Come my way. Turn away from that direction you're going and come my way and I'll show you. And so we all walk down and all come to that same point of repentance where we turn from our old ways. And that's what we see Abraham doing here in the text. He's turning from his old ways. And then the next thing I want to point out is that he says, I'll I'll take you to the land that I'll show you. He didn't tell him where it was. He didn't tell him where the end of the destination was. He just said, Trust me. Follow me. Just take, come on, just take one step, and I'll show you where the next step is after that. He said, I, I, I don't want to show you all the way to the end, because if you saw all the way to the end, you might not have the heart to get there. But if I'll walk with you and just one more step, come on, you can do it, one more step. Come on, one more step. Then I know I can encourage you, and I can keep your heart. And I can keep your strength, and I can, I can be right there with you. And some of you have been to the gym. You know, if you've been to the gym and had that personal trainer barking at you, he doesn't come up and tell you, all right, give me 50 more. Right? He says, come on, you can do it. One more. Come on, that was easy. One more. And that's what I see God doing here. He says, he says to all of us, he says, just come, follow me. Right? Come this direction. I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to strand you in the U.S. and you're not going to be able to get home for months because you might not ever come in the first place. And likewise, he's not going to tell us, you know, there's going to be incredible hardship you're going to have to go through. But I need you to feel that pain. I need you to, to walk through that because there's a young woman that's going to come that I want you to minister to. And so that's what I see Abraham doing right here is that he, he, he hears the voice of God. And one of the texts I read said it had been 400 years and Noah was the last person in the Bible that recorded hearing God's voice. And so now here is Abraham hearing the voice of God and God calling him out of where he's comfortable, the life he's leading. And Abraham, of course, turns in obedience and begins to follow So in verse 4, it says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew. And Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, all the people that he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, I'll stop right there. That's the end of verse 5. 
And one of the things that I find interesting is that they, they wrap all this up into, into verse 5. It says, and he headed for the land of Canaan. And when he got there. And the cool thing is, is that that sounds like a short trip. But that trip was almost 2,000 miles. And one of the articles I read talks about all the sites that you can see along the way. And all the different towns that he likely stopped in and how they were fortified cities and, and springs and rivers and all these things that he likely walked through in this journey. And how it would have taken him months, if not years, and the Bible says, when they arrived. And it's amazing to me that that, that, that journey, that amount of time, he's just trusting God. One step after the other, he's just trusting God. With, with no, nothing noteworthy in that period other than, other than he's just trusting God is leading. It doesn't say that he had great, wonderful journey. He didn't, have a, he didn't have anything exciting happen. None of that is in the text. All we know is that he left and then he arrived. So Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. And there he set up camp beside the oak at Moriah. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. So here Abraham is. He's made this long journey with all his family and possessions, his immediately, immediate family and possessions anyway. And he has trusted God and covered these roughly 2,000 miles. And I'm sure they're tired. I'm sure they've worn out. And by this time, it's just become normal to keep moving. But they set up camp here. And it's interesting to me that it said it was inhabited by the Canaanites. Now, the Canaanites, by their name, are the descendants of Cain. And I don't, I don't know if y'all know this, but Cain wasn't in, in really good standings with the Lord. And so it's likely that the Canaanites were not really, we'll say, friendly to the Lord either. And so we can, we can look at this and we can infer the Canaanites because they are later, they are kicked out of this land to make room for the Israelites. So we can look at them and go, that well, the Canaanites were not God's friends. They were, in fact, God's enemies. And so I look at that and I go, isn't that just like the enemy? Somehow to know where we're going, somehow to know what's most precious and to be there in our way. Isn't that just like the enemy to be in our way, to be between us and the promise that God had made? But nonetheless, Abraham made camp. And so I'm reminded here of the, the scripture that says, uh, he set a table, you know, for me in the presence of my enemy. Oh, and the thing that you have to understand about that is that when you sat down and you were, you were in the presence of the king or the one that, that was the head of that house, the head of that house provided you protection. He provided your horse's provision. He made sure you were healthy and rested. You were his guest in his house. And so here he is. Abraham is setting up camp in the midst of his enemies. I think that's so awesome. So then in in verse 7, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, 
I will give this land to your descendants. And Abraham, Abraham built an, or Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. And so this altar is often called the altar of promise. You see, because God took time to promise him this land that surrounded this area. And this was the first time that, that Abram or Abraham, I'm going to mess that up a lot, so just get used to it, because he undergoes a name change. And, and I, I bet some of us, and they're probably nicknames, probably when we were B.C. before Christ, right, we probably had different nicknames than we do now. I, for one, was one that never had really much of a nickname. I had one guy in high school that would call me G, but I'm convinced he thought my name was George. But that's the closest thing I ever came to a nickname <laughs> until about a week ago. But Abraham had a name change that God had given him. But here is verse 7, the altar of promise. He, he's able to see the promise. God has brought him now. This 2,000-mile journey has come seemingly to an end, and now his feet are planted on the promise. And I can't help but think about our lives. You know, we all get on this faith journey. We accept Christ. We begin this journey, this walk with him. He doesn't tell us every detail of where we're going. But, you know, he gives us little words. He gives us seeds. He gives us people in our lives to come and say, I feel like God is telling me this for you. And so some of those things we hang on to, right? Those are the promises that God has for our life. There's a lot of other promises. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He loves us. He thinks about us more. <laughs> this is one I love. He thinks about us more times than the number of grains of sand on the beach. I mean, you are always on his mind. If anyone ever doubts that God is thinking about you, he is always thinking about you. He is an infinite God. He has no bounds, no limits. If your name is in the book, he is thinking about you all the time. All the time. That's hard for us to imagine because we, we, we try to impose our own limitations on God sometimes. We try to think about how, how we can't manage everything and how we get distracted and that kind of stuff. And God doesn't. God is beyond all that. And so one of these things is that the more you get to know him, the more you begin to understand just how amazing God is. And the closer you draw to him, just like, just like me walking to this wall, I can see a lot of the wall from here, but I don't really get an appreciation for just how tall it is until I get really close to it. And then I see how little I am in the presence. And it's the same thing with God. As you draw close to God, you'll realize how small you are, and you'll wonder why he thinks of me at all. But then you read his word, and he's like, I love you. You are always on my mind. I am always thinking of you. And that just shows you the character of God. It just shows you how good he is. All right. So God has a promise for us, and part of that promise is purpose. So for Abraham, he, he was brought to this land, and he was going to bless the nations, and we're still part of that blessing even today. But for us, the familiar text here is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. God knows what he's doing. Y'all think God's out there getting stressed out when things happen. He's like, no, that, that's for y'all. <laughs> I want you not to worry because, you know, I got it. 
got it. It doesn't stress me at all. I saw it coming. I saw it coming. And certainly seasons of testing will come. Certainly seasons of testing will come. All right, let me see. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So Jeremiah 29, 11, the, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, the plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So God is into giving you a future. And so he didn't call you to repentance just to, you know, slide one more over on the abacus. He, he's, not, he's not counting. He's not worried about that. But you know what he is doing? He is multiplying. He says, oh, I got this one. They're going to lead to three more. Oh, and I got this one. There's five more. Oh, and this is a this is a big one here. This one, this one, they're going to go to the nations. And this this is going to be like dominoes. It just trickles down and trickles down. There's lots in there. So God is into multiplication. And that's what he called you to. Each one of us, each one of us has purpose. And it's our job to draw close to God and uncover that purpose. And there are promises he has in each of our lives. For us individually, not just the, the generic promises in the book, but he has promises and things he's working out in your lives. Okay, let me move on. All right. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. All right, so that's, that's the altar of promise. The next one, in verse 8, it says, after that, it's another one of those biblical things, after that, doesn't say how long after, but after that, Abram traveled south to set up camp in the hill country. With Bethel to the west and Ai to the east, there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. And some of your texts, depending on your translation, will say that he called upon the name of the Lord. And so this one is the altar of prayer. So you have the altar of promise and now the altar of prayer. And this is showing that Abraham is drawing close to God is that he is trusting in that faithfulness of God and he can now take time out of his day just to worship a God that's been faithful. Worship a God that he knows now is working in his life. Work, uh, worshiping a God that, that is working on his tomorrow before he's even through today. And so it, it shows him becoming intimate with the Lord. And it's the same thing in our lives. Same thing in our lives. As we walk with the Lord, as you, like a new Christian sometimes, you know, they're just on fire. You know? They come in and then all the promises are yes, full faith or whatever. And then they, they get out the door and the next day there's something, there's a stumbling block. How many of y'all have ever walked out on a high on Sunday and got walloped by something on Monday? Right? And it immediately, it just tests your faith. And you're like, well, God, where, where was the God of Sunday? Here we are on Monday, and things have changed. Things have shifted. But God is a faithful God. We don't necessarily understand everything he's doing and why he's doing it, but God is a faithful God. So seasons of testing and trial are certain. There's going to be things that come up against us. The words tells us so. And there's going to be challenges. Even even when things are going well, right, there can be little things that test us. Like 
children's services, um, like family services. There can even be those little things that test us. But God always has a way. God always has a way. And I love this. I, I just stumbled on this, and I thought it fit so well. But how many of y'all are familiar with the story of Zacchaeus? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see those hands. So Zacchaeus, poor little fella, he hears Jesus is coming in the streets. And I imagine Zacchaeus is about as tall as Daryl. Sorry, Daryl, I just had to. It was, it was just, you're welcome. And so bless his heart, Jesus is coming and the crowds are just surrounding him. <laughs> so Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus and he can't, he can't see over the crowd and he can't push his way through the crowd. He must have been a little small guy too, I don't know. So what does he do? He goes and finds a tree. So long before Zacchaeus ever had a need to climb a tree, God planted a tree. And he protected that tree. Why wasn't there a hundred trees? Why wasn't there a million trees? Why were they not cut down? This tree had a purpose. And much like this tree, we all have a purpose. And God has planted purpose within you. And there is divine intersections in your journey through life that he wants you to be prepared for. There's intersections where you're going to cross somebody else's path, where you're going to be there in a moment to provide a, a, a word of encouragement. You're going to be there to, to pray with someone. You're going to be there just to hold somebody's hand when they're troubled. And you're going to be the God on earth that he is in heaven. You're going to be the comforter on earth that he is being from heaven. And that's the purpose that he has in your life and the purpose in all of our lives. So much like Zacchaeus, the answer that he wanted and how he went about things wasn't necessarily maybe what he had planned. Um, unlike some of these kids, some, some climb well, and apparently some don't climb well, and we're going to work on that. But Zacchaeus could climb a tree. But who knew that was going to be the skill that was going to do it? They're having a good time back there. Um, so the, the next part, and I'm going to kind of skim over this, sometimes the answer that God has doesn't come the way we would expect it. And I read somewhere, it says, one of the most amazing things that we're going to see in heaven is just how God used us. I mean, if he can use a donkey and a rooster, come on, to bring about things, how, how many mysterious and strange ways has God used us to bring about things that we don't even realize? So when we get to heaven, we'll find out whether the donkey and the, the rooster have more crowns or whether we pick some up along the way we didn't know, right? Amen. All right. So Abraham now fleeing a famine that came through the land of Canaan goes to Egypt. And so the amazing thing is they go to Egypt, and I think this is so, I, I don't know, there's something here. I've got to unpack this some more. I don't know what it is, but they go to Egypt. And this, this gets you over the end of chapter 12 and, and the beginning of chapter 13 now. Um, but they go to Egypt. And so as they approach Egypt, um, Abraham tells Sarah, he goes, look, honey. I have to look at my wife and I'm saying this because I can't look at y'all. <laughs> so look, honey, you're so, you're so fine. You're so fine that if they think I'm married to you, they're going to kill me to get to you. Right, because they're going, they're going, you're fine. 
And so, so here I got a plan. Now the word doesn't say whether this, the Lord inspired this or where this came from, but it just worked. And, and so they said, well, we're brother and sister. And, and so in Egypt, the Pharaoh said, uh, who, who's that lady over there? Because she's fine. And, and he brought Sarah in. Well, the Lord didn't, didn't fancy that very much. And so he, he punished Egypt with some plagues and things. And they finally said, wait a minute, all this trouble started when we, when we brought her in. And so they bring Abraham back in and go, what are you not telling us? What's the truth here? What are you not telling us? And so the truth comes out. Well, in the meantime, because he was her brother, it was culture, I suppose, that they would provide a dowry for her. So they didn't ask for that back. They said, look, y'all brought a lot of trouble upon us. Y'all got to go. And so they were given the left foot of fellowship right on back to where they came from. And they left with the dowry. So here they went. Again, the answer is often not what we expect it to be. So here they went to Egypt, feared for their lives, and walk away with all of these riches from Egypt. Now, there's a parallel there to the Israelites that comes some number of years later where the very similar thing happens. And I hadn't fully unpacked that, but there is something there. I don't know. Egypt is representative of something. I'm not sure what that is. But they, they get booted out of Egypt and back up to the land of Canaan. And so we pick up the story here in, in chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north to the Negev along with his wife and Lot and all that they owned. And Abram was a very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. So by now at this point, Abram and Lot both had large flocks. And the land that they were on couldn't support both of them. And so this led to disagreements between their workers and the flocks over water, over land, over grazing areas, and those kind of things. And so there's a, an interesting passage here. Even though Abram would have been the patriarch, he would have been the elder, he would have been the senior, he turns to Lot and says, Lot, pick out whatever land you want here. You go that way, I'll go this way. And so you see the character of Abram where instead of being right, instead of kind of imposing his will on Lot, he says, you know what? To keep the peace, I'll let you choose. You choose the best. You go find the, the best ground. And you know what? I'll humble myself and let you make that choice. And so then in verse 18, chapter 13, verse 18, it says, Lot went off to find the land, and, and then Abraham moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak belonging to Marmory. I'm not sure that that's right, but that's how I'm going to say it. And there he built another altar to the Lord, and so this altar is called the altar of peace. Because at this altar he separated from Lot Instead of choosing, instead of being the boss and that kind of thing, he humbled himself. And I think there's a great lesson in that for us. As we, we walk along this faith journey, as we draw close to God, there's going to be times that we're challenged. And there's going to be times when we're right. But there's also going to be times where we have to humble ourselves and say, you know what? I, I know better than this. But our relationship is more important than winning this argument. I'll sacrifice a little bit 
in this to keep the peace. You know what? Whatever gains I might have got from this, it's not worth the peace that we're losing. It's not worth the relationship. And so there's a lesson here for us about keeping the peace. And so Abram builds this altar. And so now we're at our third altar. We have the altar of promise, the altar of prayer, the altar of peace. And then the last altar is the one that everyone is familiar with. And you would be inclined to say this is an altar of sacrifice because that's ultimately what they wanted to do is that they were going up this mountain to sacrifice. And Isaac even asks, he says, we have the wood, we have the fire, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide a sacrifice for himself. And I don't know if he knew what he said would turn out the way that he said it. Because to look at his actions, he he gets up there, he binds Isaac, lays him on the altar, and he's prepared to sacrifice. And we all know that, that the angel of the Lord stops him and says, don't harm him. And there's a ram in the thicket. And so it, it goes from being an altar of sacrifice to an altar of provision. And the Lord will provide, and he names that place. Um, I think it's El Elohim or something like that. And it's the Lord will provide. And so instead of the sacrifice, he gets to see God's goodness in the provision. And I think that's, that's where our story, we have to recognize that Jesus is not our sacrifice, but he's also our provision. I should say he's not only our sacrifice because he did go to the cross for us. He did pay a price for us. But that provided us a way to, to the Father. He sent the comforter that provided us the comforter. It provided us that Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that speaks with us, that guides us and leads us. And from the right hand of the Father in heaven, they're constantly talking about you. Most of you not in a bad way. Thanks for laughing. It's going out of a limb on that one. <laughs> you know, you try sometimes. Sometimes it works. All right. Well, but that's that's the last altar here. And we have to understand that that Jesus is our provider. He's he's the one that made a way for us. He not only is our sacrifice on the altar once and for all, but he is also our provider. He is our provision. So I look at this journey that Abram was on in becoming Abraham, and I can see how it mirrors our life. I can see him turning, turning from his life, leaving the land he's comfortable with. How many of y'all know that when you, you come to serve Jesus, when you have that transformation in your life, you got to leave some things behind. You can't carry that with you. And that can be hard because some of those things are attached to people. 
that can be hard. some of those things you leave behind and some of those things are attached to people and that ought to be an inspiration for us to take that message back to them and go come with me come with me because just like Lot he didn't go Lot like Abraham he didn't go by himself he brought his family with him and that ought to be a charge and that ought to be a reflection of how we turn and repent and go after God and bring our families with us Now, I don't know what the culture was like in those days. I'm sure Abraham said, no, no, you're coming, right? He laid down the law and he was a dictator and they were coming whether they liked it or not. And, you know, with little ones this age, we can do that. But with others our age, that's hard to do. So we have to to walk this faith journey and go, "Look, look, look how I've gone and God has been faithful. Look how I've gone and we have, we've prayed and God has provided. I, I want you to see how walking down this path, God is, his hand is on it. And we've got to let other people see that. And in those moments of crisis, those moments of trial, they need to see that we understand whose hands we're in. That we don't get frantic in the moment like they might. But that we're secure and we can go, God has got it. I know it doesn't look good. I know the seas are raging around me and the storm looks terrible, but God's got it. And I'm going to trust in him, so I'm not going to panic. And then as we get along this this journey on this path, there is a place where we become more intimate with God. There is a place where we we go from, from simply following behind to praising ahead. There is, a, there is a time, there should be a time in your faith walk, wherever you're at, and, and you guys could all, I'm certain you're all in different places. I'm certain you're all in different places because that 2,000 mile walk is a long walk. And you might be able to see the person sitting next to you along that road, but you can't see what's right around them. And you don't know whether they're maybe standing in the mud and it's a hard patch for them or whether they're on hard packed ground and it's an easy walk. But along that path, we not only should be following him, but we should be learning about him. We should be growing intimate with him. We should be drawing close to him so that when we get to those places, those times in our life where we can camp and rest, that we can lift up our arms and go, Lord, I just thank you. You have been so faithful to me. You have covered me and kept me. and You have kept me from stumbling, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you, God, as we continue this journey, that you are going to be out ahead of me. Father, where a tree needs to be planted so I can get a better perspective. I know that tree has been planted years ago. God, guide me on that path and let me, let me just walk on that path with you. And God, I know that you have set an order before my feet. God, keep me on that path. Lord, where I go off, I thank you for the correction because I know getting off that path leads to destruction. It leads me to a hard path that I don't want to be on. But God, if you will guide me and correct me and pull me in, let me walk with you. Just be with me every step of the way. When things get tough, tell me one more step. Come on, you can do it. One more step. Coach me. Be my strength and encourager. 
And God, let me be a blessing to others. Let me be a blessing to others. God, if I'm passing someone on that path and they're having some difficulty, let me grab them by the arm and pick them up. We'll travel together. And ultimately, that's what we're doing here. It's through, through all these words and through, through the worship and the words that we share and all that, we're just locking arms and going, I know it's been a, it's been a tough day. It's been a tough day. And y'all don't know it, but Lee's having a tough day. Can I share? Do you mind if I share? So Lee takes off this morning. Um, He is often the first one here on Sundays. Uh, and, uh, And we get a call from Katie, actually. And y'all, the struggle was real this morning. Time change. Come on, all y'all struggle with that. Come on. Time change. Well, Katie calls and says, hey, I just got a call from Lee. He's stuck on the side of the road. His car quit. And so we're like, all right, I'll call him. Katie says, well, I'd go get him, but, but my car's got an issue this morning too. So it'll be a little while. We can get that fixed, but it'll be a little while. And I said, well, I'll call him. I'll go get him. So, so bless his heart, Lee's, Lee's car just quit. Just click, and it was off, and it was done. So we don't know what it is. Hopefully it's still there when you get back. <laughs> no, no, but I tell you what, I tell you what, and, and, and I hadn't said this to Lee, but I'll say it to y'all. You know what? We're going to sit down in a few minutes, and we're going to have lunch, and we're going to enjoy lunch, and we're not going to be in a hurry. Because I'm, I'm trusting that whatever this is, because, you know, sometimes God has to, to stir the pot a little bit to make us uncomfortable, to make a change that he's been waiting for us to make a change for some time. So I don't know how this turns out. I don't know what Lee's going to be driving in a week, in a month, whether it's going to be repaired and it's going to be something simple or whether we're going to erect a gravestone for it. <laughs> But, but let me just say this. It wouldn't surprise me that in a month, Lee's in a different car that's more comfortable and much nicer than the car he was in. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. Because I'll, I'll share this with you. And, I, and again, I haven't told him. So Becky and I are leaving tomorrow to go down and see my aunt and uncle in San Antonio, Texas. And I'll say about six months ago, we were having a conversation with them. And, um, and they're lovely people. They're great people. I love them. Um, but they're not church-going people. Um, and we had the opportunity to share with them that we started this church and things are going well and, you know, COVID and everything crazy, blah, blah, blah. And so we, we ended our conversation, had a good night or whatever. Well, he calls me like three days later and he says, you know what? I've got this truck that we've had for quite some time. And, uh, and we were thinking about, you know, who to give it to. And he says, you know, my, my kids don't need it. They don't want it, you know. And, uh, and he says, you guys came to mind. He says, so I don't, I don't know if you can use it or not. But we just felt like a quickening in our spirit that said, you know, this is a setup. 
this is a setup. I don't know if we're going to just minister to them or whatever. I don't, I don't know what it means, but, but we're all in God. And so we booked our flights back in February 5th, I think. This is a confirmation on my tickets. February 5th. And so we're going to go down, fly down, um, spend a couple days there, and then we'll, we'll drive back with this truck. Hopefully it makes it. Um, it's not a new truck. It's got 250-some thousand miles on it. I don't even know what color it is, um, which made it interesting when I went to register it. But anyway, um, but just the way things fall in order, um, whether it's temporary or whether it's permanent, there's going to be a vehicle available for you if your sudden workout. And I just feel like God just set us up for that. Because I, I don't know what you do with a, it's like 11 passenger. How many of y'all drive like an expedition or something big like that? Not no more yet. We, we used to have Roxy, rest her soul. Um, she became an organ donor um, not long ago, but, but she blessed our family for, for many, many years. And then we were able to um, sell it to another family and, and she just kept on. She was faithful to the end. Um, but you know, it's just one of those, one of those moments in my life that, that I, I have been walking this faith journey long enough that I don't count it as coincidence. I don't count it as coincidence. I just count it as God's favor being on our lives for whatever reason, because certainly there are others that are more deserving. There's others that are, that are doing it better, doing it righter. But somehow God looks at us and says, yeah, I'll throw a little your way. So this morning, God was after somebody's heart. Living water, it's running now, see? But God was after somebody's heart this morning. Somebody for that moment of transformation, and I don't, I don't know what that is, and I don't know who that's for, but I just feel God calling us back to the altar, calling us to the place of intimacy, calling us back to prayer and worship. And maybe for one of you, today is really that point where you turn. You know, I heard a, someone say the other day, the path to success is not a straight line. It's not. The path to success is being able to make those little course corrections as you go. So I don't know this morning. If you're feeling like you need to, to make that turn, maybe you hadn't fully torn tr- towards God. You haven't fully dedicated and you're, you're not fully walking that direction. Maybe God is pulling on your heart this morning. I just want you to know that God is faithful. God is faithful. And he is, he is going to be with you. He is going to be your... <laughs> he's going to be your coach barking in your ear along that journey. And so I just want to open the altar up this morning. If you need someone to agree with you in prayer, if you need someone to just join you at an altar of prayer and worship, 
I just want to take a moment. If that's you, if God has been pulling on your heartstrings this morning for that, I just want to let you have the opportunity to come up here because you're going to have a room full of people behind you praying. And we'll just come and join together at the altar up front here. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.